Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another week. I am so excited to be here with you because this is an episode that I guarantee you will help you with feeling burned out. I know I'm not the only one that occasionally feels burnt out from work. Sometimes you might be motivated. Sometimes you might be passionate about your job and still have those days where you don't feel like going in or have those days where you feel as though, you know, my energy is depleting or, you know, how am I going to get all this work done? These are telltale signs of burnout. One of the things that I often encourage my clients to do is pay attention to your body when you're having thoughts and feelings like this, because a lot of us are going through burnout and we don't even realize it. So on today's episode, I sat down with a few folks from an organization that I spoke at, and we talked about how their staff members can manage burnout at work. And I wanted to share the same information with you because y'all know I don't believe in gatekeeping over here. So make sure that you guys are tuned in. Take notes if you have to. And also, please make sure you rate and subscribe to this podcast. As you guys know, rating the podcast helps us with more visibility. So I strongly encourage you to do so. If you're not a hater, go ahead and leave a five out of five star review. Thanks so much. You are now listening to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk all things related to mental health, life lessons, and the culture. My goal is to help each and every listener pursue and center wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist. Now let's get into it. Have y'all checked out my Amazon storefront yet? Listen, whether you're searching for last minute date night outfits, perfecting your 4C curls or delving into mental health books or enhancing your nail game, I've got you covered. Y'all know here at the Dr. Shonda podcast, we like to serve looks and books. So make sure that you guys click on my affiliate link for a hassle free shopping experience that supports my creation efforts. Elevate your lifestyle and your mental health today. Chanel, I have a question. What's up? Have you ever felt lonely in your entrepreneurial ventures and journey? Listen, that is such a real feeling, especially as a black woman, especially as an entrepreneur, especially as a kingdom woman trying to level up and move forward in my life. Listen, the the interesting thing is I hear that from so many different women. Yeah. So I thought it was the perfect timing for us to collaborate our entrepreneurial success and the things that we've learned along the way for kingdom women specifically. Listen, I'm so excited about this. So that's right. You guys are able to sign up today starting in October, our specific membership group where you'll have access to our knowledge on branding, 
marketing, how to sell, how to pitch yourself, yes. how to, you know, apply the Bible to your business, applying the Bible to your business, yes. uh, corporate fast, like all of those things, exercise your faith, so many different things. And above all, Chanel, it's great to have an accountability group. Listen, I'm really excited to be a part of a group of a bunch of people that look like me and we're all trying to get to the same place. And listen, and the fact that we're coming together doing it, yeah. you know, I say this humbly, I've been thriving in full-time entrepreneurship for some years now. Yeah. You've generated millions for the sports industry. Yes. We have so many different skill sets that we are going to offer. Yeah. We're two separate powerhouses and we're coming together to build this membership for you all. Not only from a business and physical, natural standpoint, but also a spiritual standpoint. Yes. I can't wait to get into the world. I'm excited. Entrepreneurship. I'm excited. The word and entrepreneurship together, Chanel. Listen. In a membership group. Listen. Girl. I'm ready. So if you guys are ready for our group that starts in October, please make sure that you click the link in our show notes and we can't wait to see y'all. Cannot wait, period. <laughs> Good afternoon. And thank you for joining us today for what we hope to be a transformative mental health discussion sponsored by four of Bazudo's employee resource groups, the Vets Group, our Soul Group, Happy and Young Professionals. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a second and put in a little plug for those employee resource groups. As you think about mental health, as you think about the connections we make with coworkers and, and people who share common values and cultures, our ERGs are one of the best resources the company has for those connections. So you'll see in the comment section, there'll be a link to Telescope. I encourage you to, after today's conversation, visit that. And whether it's one of those four groups or perhaps Vita, Lyft, our parents group or women at Bazudo, take a minute and get involved. Um, it is my pleasure to be sitting here today with Dr. Shonda Reynolds. You know, I have an entire page of introduction and I was like, gosh, what do I cut out? It's such an impressive list of things, but let me just welcome you first. Um, Dr. Reynolds is a renowned licensed clinical psychologist, a dynamic speaker, and a prominent voice in the mental health community. With a doctorate in clinical psychology, she's dedicated to addressing health disparities in the Black community. You know, Dr. Shonda is a sought-after speaker, delivering powerful talks on mental health, including a TEDx appearance in South Africa earlier this year, She's been featured in Essence and Forbes and Refinery29 magazines, and has also spoken to top brands like Puma and Foot Locker Women. She's been a trusted speaker at events by organizations, including HBCU Week, the Association of Black Psychologists National Convention, the American Public Health Association, and Rutgers University. And we're thrilled that you're adding Bizzuto to that list today. And lastly, she also hosts an incredibly entertaining podcast, Paging Dr. Shonda, recently named one of the top five by Sheen Magazine for Black women, and it continues to educate and inspire. So with all of that, welcome, Dr. Shonda. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely a pleasure. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome you here today. And, you know, we're tackling um, a big topic today. So I appreciate you being here you know, we have about 45 minutes for conversation. We're going to save the last 15 minutes for questions. So you'll see there's an ask a question box for those of you on Zoom. Uh, feel free to take a minute. You can submit a question anonymously. 
Um, but submit those and we'll get to those towards the end. Um, you know, let's start off really broadly. Mental health is is such a huge topic and, and frankly is often stigmatized. Now, it feels like maybe some of those stigmas have lessened over the course of COVID when there was such a universal stress and strain. But would you say that mental health issues are really part of the human condition and not something to necessarily be considered out of the norm? Absolutely, which is one of the reasons why I appreciate, you know, talking to organizations and companies because it helps us to destigmatize mental health and mental health concerns that people might have overall. Um, the reality is, especially during the pandemic, individuals experience about 50% of Americans experience at least one symptom of anxiety or depression. That's a lot of people, that's millions of people across the nation. And it really I feel like I may have skewed those statistics because I certainly <laughs> felt more than one. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I have to. And I speak to people every day who have experienced that as well. Um, but overall, it really just sheds light on how we as people, we're going to experience hardship. We're going to experience, you know, trials and tribulations throughout life in general. And having some sort of emotion that we deem as undesirable or uncomfortable, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's something wrong with us. It just means that we're human. I think that's a, a great way of sort of capital, capital, capitalizing it. Um, you know, navigating mental health in the workplace can be challenging. Uh, we asked our employees to submit some questions beforehand, and um, I want to pose a couple of those to you and, and get your thoughts. Um, so as an employee, if I am struggling with perhaps a mental health issue, um, what would be your advice in terms of how to bring that up or address that with perhaps my supervisor? Yeah. So one of the things I would suggest is to first acknowledge and validate your own emotions that it might feel scary. It might feel embarrassing. It might feel uh, just a, a plethora of emotions that we might experience when we have to talk about things uh, regarding mental health, right? And sometimes we don't experience the same types of negative emotions when it comes to expressing things physically, right? So I can go to my supervisor and say, hey, I'm having a headache today. Can I have a few days off, right? Or I'm having, you know, I have broke my ankle, uh, but it really feeds into the stigma when we inhibit those those types of conversations pertaining to mental health. Um, and we stigmatize it because we feel as though, you know, will this be received well? So I just want to first start off by saying, first, validate yourself and validate your feelings. It's not easy, but also it's necessary, right? It's necessary sure. in order for us to have a safe environment at work for your supervisor and your manager to know what's going on. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have to know, you know, everything, every detail, you know, what happened at every single moment. They don't have to know all of that, but it is important for them to know like what's going on that could be impacting you, especially if it's at work. That makes great sense. You know, oftentimes if I... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. We're to flip that script. Um, as a manager, just as a coworker, we perhaps might recognize when somebody is struggling um, with an issue that perhaps they aren't talking about. Is it ever appropriate to address that? And if so, what are some perhaps tips and, and guidance on how to approach that topic? 
Yeah, that, and that's a part of creating a safe culture in any work-related organization, right? So um, I'm not sure if you guys are on LinkedIn, but on the side of LinkedIn that I'm on, uh, they always talk about like, here are ways that you can support your, your colleagues and your um, you know, individuals who might work for the company or whatever. And a part of that conversation is to create a safe space. And we can't say that we're creating a safe work culture if our employees don't feel safe coming to us and you know, talking about things that they might be experiencing uh, regarding their mental health. And so as managers, it's okay to check in with individuals as long as you know, we're not saying, oh, you've seen XYZ, you seem depressed or you seem anxious. As long as we're not labeling, it's 100% okay to check in and say something along the lines of like, hey, I noticed that you're performing a little differently. How can I support you? Right. And, and as opposed to um, labeling and, and imposing things onto them, asking them how we can support them in that moment. That makes really good sense. You know, there are so many triggers for mental health issues. We were talking about stigmas, et cetera. Um, what are some common triggers that we should perhaps be on the lookout for in our own lives and those of those around us? Yeah, I would say one of the main triggers that we experience is um, like social media, having to, you know, constantly see other people in their lives. Um, you know, even the strongest individual, sometimes comparison can play a role, right? So I always encourage my clients, especially when they're in that uh, age bracket of like being on social media constantly, I always let them know, you know, it's good to take breaks. It's good to, you know, just distance yourself from, from constantly viewing other people's lives so that you don't get in that habit of comparing yourself. Um, in addition to that, another trigger can just be like family stress, right? So sure, sure. having to whether you're the caregiver or a member of the family who's, um, you know, just in engaging in just being a member of a family. Family is stressful in general. I know Absolutely. my family isn't the only one that's stressful. Do I got <laughs> no, anyone I, here? You okay. probably got a lot of head shaking okay, out perfect. there as a father of three. I, perfect. Yes. yes. And, and that's because we're all human, right? So we we might do things, we might say things to get on one another's nerves. And it doesn't mean anything negative about our families. That just means that we are humans living in a human experience. And therefore, it's important for us to acknowledge that, yes, I might have family related stress, um, but it's important for me to examine like how much that stress or the degree to which that stress is impacting me, my overall well-being and even my productivity at work. Um, so social related stress, family related stress, even thinking about like what's happening in society can certainly be a trigger. Sure. So we're coming up on election season, right? So that in itself is stressful, like watching debates, watching what's going on in this area and what's going on in that area. There's a specific name for it. it's called political stress, right? So where people are engaging and constantly watching things that's happening on the news regarding politics, and that in turn impacts their overall stress level. Even though I might not know personally, you know, the president or vice president or individuals who might be running for office, it can stress me out just learning sure. that you know, oh. what, what's going on there. So, so yeah, just a few things, but yeah. Is it healthy to at times disconnect? I've heard folks say, well, look, I don't want to ignore the world around me. That seems perhaps to be ignorant, but given those external stressors, um, you mentioned the social media and, and taking a break as it relates to political stress and others, as we enter into a very uh, difficult time, is it also recommended to occasionally turn off the news? Absolutely. 100 <laughs> percent. Um, I work generally with like teenagers, young adults or what have you. And I always my, my teenagers, they, I know I get on their nerves when I say this, but I 
always encourage their parents like, hey, make sure that you have a time limit for how long your child is on social media. And I tell my young adults that as well. Make sure you're giving yourself a time limit for how much media you're taking in, whether it's on social media, TikTok, television or what have you. Because the reality is like that, that can certainly evoke strong emotions from us. So yes, we need to be taking breaks. Um, and that makes me, when, when I get pushback on it, like, well, how am I going to find out what's going on day to day? I ask people like, how did people know what was going on day to day 20 years ago. I didn't have Instagram growing up. I didn't have Me TikTok. <laughs> I didn't have a phone. So exactly. Right. Exactly. I didn't get a phone until like middle school. So there are ways around it. If we really want to be informed, we can choose other avenues that don't impose as much stress. So what are some of those other avenues? Where where would you point people um, in terms of those daily behaviors that perhaps let them feel connected? But don't take them down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So relying, I know I'm going to sound old school, but (laughs) relying on things like uh, news outlets, I was going to say newspapers, but relying on news outlets and um, just reading up on specific articles that might just focus on like the facts, right? As opposed to uh, blog related posts or individuals who might provide their opinion as opposed to politics, because again, that can be stressful, but focusing on just how I can be informed day to day without exposing myself to the noise on uh, these media avenues. That makes a lot of sense and is good advice for everyone watching. Um, you know, we, we talk a little bit about um, sharing and sort of boundaries. You mentioned it earlier that you don't have to provide every detail. Um, what are some of those perhaps healthy boundaries that a manager or an employee can think about as they perhaps raise an issue or address an issue with a coworker. Yeah, so so boundaries are 100% up to what you what you deem appropriate, right? So a boundary for me might be completely different for a, from a boundary for for you. Sure. Um, and so it's really going to be about the employee and the manager understanding what their own boundaries are, and also taking heed to what. The, the other party, whether it's the manager or employee, what they stated their boundaries are as well, right? Because after someone sets a boundary and they kind of like let you know what they're okay with and what they're not okay with, it's up to us to be able to abide by that and follow that because it's not okay to, to ever impede on somebody else's boundaries. But really understanding like, okay, what are my boundaries? What am I okay with talking to my supervisor about? Where do I draw the line? Um, and essentially to, to stay in a safe space with that, really is like leaning into how I can be supported. I don't have to talk about a specific diagnosis. I don't have to talk about, you know, what my doctor said or what my therapist said. I can lean into, okay, this is how I need to be supported at work. How can you meet me here? Great. That's great advice. Um, You know, oftentimes these stressors, whether they be external or internal, can lead someone to start feeling burnout. Um, First of all, how, how would you kind of define burnout, if you would? Yeah, so burnout is essentially just a, a pervasive state of exhaustion related to work. Uh, this can be manifested as feeling um, not as enthusiastic about your work as you typically are, not being as productive at work as you typically are, possibly daydreaming, um, wanting to disconnect, uh, whether that's con- consciously or unconsciously. But it's, it's really a, a state of uh, increased anxiety marked by you know these, these uh, difficulties at work. Are there any additional early signs that perhaps you can pick up on 
that might tell you you're leading towards a burnout or perhaps someone you work with is? Yeah. So having an overall negative view of you know your job or what you do. Um, now, if you went into the job with a negative view, say, I, I hate this job and that's how you got it uh, or that's how you were when you received it. That's one thing. There's nobody watching. There's nobody at this Bazudo. job hating no, this job. Absolutely nobody. not. No, of course absolutely not. not. That's not a thing here. Right. Um, but if you were the type of person, you know, you were excited, enthusiastic about the work that you were doing. And now it's almost like, you know, I dread going to work. I don't want to go to this meeting today. I, I don't want to meet with any of uh, the leasing agents today. This is not my thing anymore. That's how we can tell, you know, we're, we might be entering into that state of burnout and also just excessive fatigue, like feeling exhausted, even at the mere thought of going to work. Sure. And I would imagine that some stress and and I would say worry is natural. That's that's a human response. Um, when do you kind of know that the stress level is going from helpful in terms of being prepared and being aware to unhealthy? Yeah. And that's a great point, right? Because oftentimes we tend to, again, stigmatize anxiety and stress overall, when the reality is, if you're a human being, it's a strong likelihood you have some level of stress. It's healthy. That's how we meet deadlines. That's how we make sure that we're, um, you know, doing what we need to do when we need to do it, right? Uh, however, it gets to that state of being unhealthy when it's impacting your daily functioning. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When it's, you know, it's so debilitating to the point where I can't work like I used to or I can't, uh, you know, tend to my kids or tend to uh, family members and um, people you're in a relationship with. I can't do these things that I used to do because of the anxiety. That's how we know it's entering into a state of being unhealthy. And when you find yourself entering into a state like that, what actions should a person take to address that? Well, first, uh, you know, talk to a professional and reach out to, for help. Uh, I can assure you that you're not the only one who has experienced this. So it's really important not to, again, like stigmatize the conversation, because how can anybody help if we're not reaching out? Right. Sure, so sure. Uh, that's the first thing, just reaching out to a provider, but also finding a set routine. Oftentimes, um, again, like if you're stressed out and it's impacting what we call that daily level of functioning, you know, again, it might impact work. It might impact your ability to uh, take kids to, to school and, you know, the things that used to do day to day. So establishing some sort of set plan, some sort of set schedule so that you can kind of get back on track can inadvertently help to reduce the stress levels. Sounds like good advice. Um is there a difference between like work-related burnout and just general anxiety and stress? Um, and is there guidance in terms of avoiding bringing perhaps some of that additional baggage to work? Yeah. So the so if we think of stress and anxiety as like an umbrella, right? So again, like people in general, we experience anxiety, we experience stress. So burnout would be something that's under that umbrella. It's kind of like a branch out of anxiety in general. Gotcha. So that's why people might experience, um, you know, the, the same anxiety symptoms like related to exhaustion, difficulty sleeping, difficulty with productivity. But it, we know it's burnout if it's more so work related. 
So if I'm, you know, again, not productive at work, if I'm, again, like daydreaming at work, if my stress and anxiety, um, hyperventilation, um, you know, shaking of the hands or psychomotor agitation is what we call it. Like all of those things are related to work or when I think about work, that's how we know it's it's work related burnout. And I would guess that we could also, if we took work out of that equation, um, we could associate that with anything that perhaps is bringing that a relationship or particular, you know, function in our private lives. Um, You mentioned getting professional help, reaching out to professional. What are some things that we can do on our own um, to perhaps start that process outside of calling a professional? Yeah. And this actually goes back to the second part of the previous question you asked me that I did not answer. I'm realizing (laughs) Um, but really setting boundaries, as you stated, right? So if I know that I am uh, becoming burned out at work and I have all these things happening related to my productivity, it's going to be important for me to acknowledge, okay, what do I need to do differently regarding my work day? What do I need to do differently in order to make sure that I'm not carrying my work home or that I'm taking breaks, that I am uh, protecting that time related to like my lunch hour or what have you? How can I continue to practice what we call uh, that micro restoration, which basically means that I'm taking micro moments during the day in order to replenish myself, whether it's related to like a a deep breathing exercise, a meditation exercise, or listening to my favorite podcast, you know, can be one. Um, And so, so those are just a few strategies that one can engage in. So you're saying paging. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, Well, holistically speaking, some of what you just mentioned seems very much within anybody's grasp. Um, you know, some of the questions that were submitted uh, referenced um, imbalances, chemical imbalances or a lack of dopamine. Um, what are some factors that play into how we respond to stressors um, and how we manage our anxiety? And what are some simple things that anybody could be doing on a regular basis to help themselves manage through the stress and anxiety of just daily living. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, the beginning part of that. Was such a great question. That's a whole podcast episode right there. Oh, good. Uh, well, go. <laughs> uh, when, when thinking about, okay, what impacts my ability to overcome this anxiety? A lot of times it's rooted in one's problem solving approaches, right? So if um, inherently I'm the type of person, the way I problem solve is to, I, I kind of um, allow anxiety to kind of overtake me. I'm not engaging in like good decision-making skills uh, or I'm even uh, trying to, to mask it with like alcohol or, or uh, you know, doing unproductive things. And that's probably how you're going to deal with stress as well. Sure. Yeah. And so when we think about like our problem solving strategy, it's really important for, to, for us to understand that we need to develop healthy ones so that we're able to kind of overcome some of these things related to our mental health. Uh, regarding the, the holistic methods and even uh, raising dopamine, it's such a difficult time right now. And I acknowledge that simply because we're going into those fall winter months. Right. We're getting less sun. It's 
dark outside, like we're we're not getting as much sunlight or that vitamin D um, exposure that we typically do, which helps us with uh, mood regulation. And so because of that, people kind of go into that period of um, seasonal affective disorder and having a hard time with regulating emotions because of that um, the lower dopamine, lower serotonin levels. And so to naturally do that uh, for ourselves, we, it can include like exercise. How much exercise are you getting a day? It doesn't have to be long. I know uh, many of the bazooka apartments, we have a, a a gym right upstairs. Absolutely. No <laughs> so, excuse not to. Right. <laughs> so taking advantage of that, um, even our eating diet, like, you know, all of those things definitely play a significant role. Well, let's talk about eating and diet. You referenced for a moment there, alcohol. And I know a lot of people when they're dealing with stress, um, see it as a way to unwind. And yet it's a depressant. Yeah. Um, are there things to avoid that even though we may take comfort in them, sugars, processed foods, alcohols, that actually can exacerbate the problems that we are facing and trying to solve? Yeah. So so the thing about alcohol, as you stated, it is certainly a depressant. But what happens when, you know, that that sensation of being um, intoxicated or inebriated, once that goes away, I'm still going to have that same anxiety. I'm still going to have that same problem. Right. So engaging in alcohol in order to overcome problems is literally it's avoidance. Right. I'm sure I'm doing what I can to avoid the situation, but it's not an effective way of problem solving. Again, going back to that problem solving approach. And so for us to find effective ways of problem solving, we're going to have to stop relying on things that causes us to mask and avoid uh, overcoming some of these problems, which can include alcohol, even outside of alcohol, you know, there are food can be related to to drugs or or some people identify food as a a drug, honestly, Um, overeating, undereating, like processed foods, like all of those things can play a role. And again, like how one is choosing to problem solve their way out of their emotions. Are there positive foods and things that we can add to our daily routine that would be um, helpful? In the process. And I know nobody wants to hear that the answer is diet and exercise. I get that. That's what we always hear is weight loss, diet and exercise. Don't worry about taking a pill or this or that. But is there um, or are there foods or classes of foods that we should perhaps focus on or drinking more water? Yeah, that this reminds me of an interesting study that was recently published. Um, individuals who ate more processed food, including like French fries. And I'm a fry lover. So this broke my heart. I know <laughs> uh, people who eat more processed foods are more likely to experience depression. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I hear the size. I know. I hear the, yeah. I'm right there with you, sis. I hear the size. Uh, but that really just kind of like it, it really speaks to how we need to be mindful of the things that we're putting in our bodies. And that includes, you know, whole foods, uh, grains, like things that are are based in like nutrients. What can I engage or what can I eat in order to help my overall mood? Um, because the reality is like, yes, food has uh, nutrients and things in it that can help us with improving our overall mental health. We, and it's a whole profession out there uh, in individuals who relate it to like gut health and how, right. uh, you know, it's our second brain and weight, foods that you can eat to improve your overall mental health. So the research is there. Yeah. A lot of what I have read also references fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guide that I saw once that said, if the food is advertised, it's likely processed and not good for you. That that company has to have so much money in order to pay for the advertising 
that it's likely a large corporation and it is processed food. Um, you mentioned vitamin D earlier. I would assume fruits, vegetables, uh, water as opposed to sodas and alcohol, but there's no magic superfood that, that solves it all, is I there? I wish, but then that would put me out of a job. So. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about things. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That I think are part of increasingly the general dialogue around mental health, stress, burnout, some of the family stressors, whether it be caring for children or caring for the elderly. Um, but there's a lot in your field of study that goes sort of under the radar. The things that people don't talk about that perhaps um, carry a stigma regardless of how much we have moved forward in our ability to recognize some of these things. What should people be talking about that oftentimes is ignored? Yeah. So especially with it being suicide prevention month, I would say, you know, suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideations is very common, especially amongst uh, like the like younger adults who are transitioning from college to career. Oftentimes, these individuals might experience significant stress and uh, have thoughts about not wanting to be here. Or again, like those passive suicidal thoughts, such as like, I just wish I can go to sleep and not wake up. Right. It's still a suicidal thought, but sure. it's more passive. Um once we're more open with having those types of conversations, then less people will feel like they have to keep that those types of statements in. Or I can't talk to my colleagues or managers about this because, you know, they're going to think I'm quote unquote crazy. Right. Right. When in reality, it's it's common to experience this. But we have to learn how to, to help individuals when they do express this. You know, uh, you mentioned that and I'm reminded of a question that was submitted. It's submitted anonymously and said, sometimes I wish I could unsee or unexperience certain traumatic experiences. How do I deal with these obstacles in my life? Yeah, so, and, and that's so tough, right? When dealing with trauma, because trauma doesn't just go away, uh, but really kind of relying on like the, the providers out there and the therapists out there who can help you uh, because there are large bodies of research that talks about specific therapies that can help individuals who want to kind of like unsee it or overcome trauma. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's a specific type of therapy that helps individuals with kind of like reprocessing and relearning how they're thinking, um, you know, in traumatic situations so that it doesn't resurface as um, a flashback or, you know, other symptoms related to trauma. So um, the help is out there, but it's about the, the willingness to talk about it. You know, there also seems to be a bit of a generational divide sometimes in terms of recognizing mental health issues. Um, for those in the audience, myself included, that grew up in a time when we were told to just simply tough it out or to figure it out and to keep those things to ourselves, um, what would you share with that audience in terms of accepting and, and being willing to speak about and address the things that, that are challenging them? Yeah. So it's, it's, I run into that all the time. Uh, 
with, with the individuals that I work with, but I really just encourage people to think about like, yeah, we might have said things like just tough it out or, you know, I, I got through it so anybody else can get through it. But then we have to recognize like, okay, how did this impact me? Right. Because oftentimes that type of mentality causes individuals to distance themselves from emotion or having a hard time to even express emotion because you were conditioned to just tough it out. Right. And so that's why it's really important for us to acknowledge like, yeah, we, we may have had these types of uh, that type of rhetoric growing up, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was normalized or, or healthy in a sense. Um, and really, honestly, kind of acknowledging that, again, mental health is not as like this stigmatized type of thing that we experienced uh, 20, 30 years ago. Like we literally have uh, the, the president of the United States talking about mental health. We have him talking about like how his son experienced, um, you know, substance abuse and things of that nature. Uh, so it's, it's uh, my hope and prayer is that people start to acknowledge that this is not just like something we can tough out uh, because the, the help is out there and just having the mental, the, um, the mentality of toughing it out really just, again, um, further stigmatize, further stigmatizes mental health overall. Yeah. It sounds like toughing it out is more just suffering through it. Suffering in silence, really. Right. Suffering in silence. Well, I mentioned generational uh, sort of approaches. I would imagine there's cultural differences in terms how stress and anxiety and mental health issues are, are viewed. Can you speak to that at all, given your experience? For sure. For sure. I can speak specifically to like the African-American community where, um, you know, the research talks about how like black individuals are about 40 percent more likely to experience depression or anxiety, but less likely to go to a therapist um, in comparison to their white counterparts. And a lot of that is related to like this mentality of toughing it out and having to just um, overcome, having to, to be that strong person for in their family or in their community. But in fact, that just causes, again, it, it causes us to suffer in silence and not to address uh, what's actually hurting us. We wouldn't do that if our leg was broken. We wouldn't keep walking on it, right? So why do that with mental health? Absolutely. Um, what are some common ways for us to continue to raise awareness within the workplace of some of the things that perhaps our employees are going through? Yeah. So I know I, I said this about like three times today, but I can't drive it enough, but really just asking how we can support, right? So we might not be able to label, we can't diagnose um, ethically, right? And it's not our job to, but we can ask how I can support you in this moment. And even asking, you know, what support can you offer in, in terms of like the employees um, asking managers for assistance? People can't know how to show up for you if we're not asking for help. And in turn, like it helps to, again, normalize that entire conversation regarding mental health. Um, internalizing the thoughts about it is just going to, again, leave us suffering in silence and not addressing what needs to be addressed. Well, I'm going to throw our team a little bit of a curveball. You know, Bizzuto has invested a lot of um, resources into tools that are available to all of our employees. And I would love to flash up on the screen some of those resources before we transition to perhaps some of the questions that we've received from the group. Um, and those happen to be on my phone. Awesome. Okay. So from our uh, team watching, I have a question. What can you do to overcome burnout? So we've addressed the feelings of it and perhaps some of the symptoms. 
How do you start working through it? Yeah. So working through it might feel daunting because one of the, the symptoms of burnout is I don't feel like working at all. Right. So um, the concept of having to work through it, I know it can feel um again, like daunting, but really just acknowledging that, yes, you are having a tough time, validating your feelings in that and not feeling guilty about it or um, coming down on yourself about it. And also practicing um, the term I used earlier, which is that micro restoration. And so basically when we think of the term restoration, we're literally just talking about like restoring, like how can I restore myself uh, during the day and micro meaning like finding those small pockets of time where I can do that throughout the day. That'll help you to feel restored as opposed to burnt out and exhausted and fatigued throughout the day. Um, And it'll help to improve your overall mental health clarity and productivity. So that might include, you know, taking 10 minutes before you start work to uh, listen to your favorite song Um, during your lunch, making sure that you are writing in a journal, Uh, making sure that you're taking another 15 minute break in order to, you know, do something else that's enjoyable. Um, Far too often I hear, and again, not at Bazudo, but far too often I hear people saying like, oh, I'm too busy. I just worked through my breaks. I just worked through my lunch and then wonder why we're burned out. Right. It doesn't work like that. Sure. Sure. And you mentioned breathing exercises earlier and those seem relatively simple. I know there's a lot of apps also that can help. Are there any apps or resources online that you would recommend or? Yeah. So the Calm app is a good one. Um, Headspace is another good one. That's one that I recommend to my clients. Um, And really, you know, you might not always have access to an app or your phone, uh, but practicing those coping skills that you can do on your own. Right. So that might include deep breathing, um, another one we call progressive muscle relaxation, which helps you to kind of like relax your muscles throughout the day. Um, how, yeah. how does one do that? Yeah. So uh, basically you would kind of start by um, sitting feet flat, flat on the ground. All right. I'm going to listen. <laughs> and so you would kind of just relax yourself and you would just take a few moments and just you can start with the hands and you would just kind of like squeeze your hands as hard as you can for 10 seconds. And then you would gently let it go. And so you would do that for about four or five times in a row. And it really is just to kind of help you to help your muscles to um, practice like tensing and releasing so that you're learning how to release your muscles and not because oftentimes when we were working, we get that tension in our back and tension in our shoulders and such. So this is a way of just learning how to tense and release muscles. So we start with our hands. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Hands, but then you go through like, you know, your whole body. So you can do it with your back where you're tensing your back and then releasing it for 10 seconds and doing that over and over again. You can do it with your legs. Um, but yeah, it's just another way of like relaxing throughout the day. 
Well, and you mentioned it earlier, but a lot of our sites, our corporate offices have workout facilities as well. So bringing a change of clothes and whether you start your day with it or take your lunch break, go for a walk outside. I had a coworker today who uh, was touring properties and said they barely made it into the office because it was so beautiful outside. So even that little bit of time when you're walking across the courtyard or just sitting outside can really be restorative. Yeah. Even um, thinking about like being like mindfulness, right? So being mindful, even if you're, you know, taking a client on the tour, uh, I see the the leasing agents all the time. They're like walking outside uh, in the, the upstairs area. Um, and just like, if you would just take a few moments just to kind of observe like, okay, what do the flowers look like? Or uh, what does the wind feel like on my skin? Like you're being present and mindful in the moment. And that's short, like one to two minutes that you're doing that you're practicing mindfulness, which is another way to kind of like help to overall restore your emotions and uh, improve burnout throughout the workday. Yeah. I I recently had a friend who talked to me about a um, five senses exercise where to be present in the moment, you you stop what you're doing and you think about what you're smelling Mm -hmm. and you think about what you're seeing and you touch something, um, not a coworker, but you touch something and you experience that um, and you ground yourself. You become present in the moment as opposed to perhaps lost in a worry or thought or, um, or otherwise not being present. So, but it's it's so easy to get lost though, because when, when you have a busy schedule, like, okay, I'm doing a tour with this client. I have this uh, in 15 minutes. And then I have this meeting at three, like it's easy to just stay stuck in your head all day with things that you have to do. But then like, what does that do to your anxiety levels? Uh, it, It drives them crazy. Exactly. I always call it living the future before it happens. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good reminder too. And I, I think, Many of us have done this. How many of us have woke up? We know we have a meeting, perhaps a conversation that we're dreading. We, we spend the night before worried about it. We don't sleep well. And then we have the actual conversation, the meeting, the presentation, and it goes perfectly. And you think back on all that time you lost living what might happen instead of just being prepared and, and being in the moment. So, yeah, I'm guilty as charged. And for those of us, and I I think it's a natural human reaction to kind of think in that way. Um, But for those of us who do do that, I want to encourage us to stop ourselves from thinking that way because it is what we call like a cognitive distortion or a twisted way of thinking. Right. So we're basically it's called fortune telling. So me trying to predict the future and trying to figure out what's going to happen next when in reality that just that can exacerbate anxiety levels and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So the best thing for us to do is to live in the now and to just manage the anxiety that comes with that. I have enough anxiety for right now. I don't have time to worry about what's (laughs) happening tomorrow. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I want to make sure I get to these questions. So um, changing gears here slightly, how would you deal with, and it says here perfectionism in a young child, but I would, I would expand that to be perfectionism period. Mm -hmm. Um, That sense that it has to be perfect, that it's a reflection of us and certainly the anxiety that that brings along with it. Yeah. So um, 
I would say perfectionism is one of those things can, that can be caused by so many different other things. So really start by understanding what's driving the perfectionism. Is this something like related to you or these kind of like imposed expectations, whether it's something that's um, like work-related culture, again, not here, uh, <laughs> but work-related culture, or if it's, it could be something that was imposed on you by family, or is this like self-imposed? Like if I don't, if it's not perfect, then that means that I'm a failure, right? So like understanding what's driving this and then kind of combating what's the driving factor. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we call it in our house, the good enough club. Um, instead of always having to be the best, sometimes it's okay to be good enough. Um, as someone with a teen who is struggling deeply with depression, I find it hard to separate myself from their own struggles. How do I support without falling into the grip myself? Yeah. So really just starting by asking like, how, how would you like for me to show up to you or show up for you in this moment? Do you need a listening ear or do you want me to give advice? Um, because really it, it does the child an injustice for parents to become over-involved with things like that, right? We call like that the parent protective trap, which essentially we're, we're teaching the child that they can't handle their emotions on their own. They need mom or dad to figure it out for them. Sure. And we don't want to go down that route. So really just kind of like helping, just supporting them, but also giving them the autonomy to feel and to, you know, use coping skills and such on their own. And is there a way to sort of separate that sense of caring that weight with you as well? It's one thing in terms of how you show up, but is it, yeah, no, no. Not, not as a parent. Um, you know, I always tell people, my my mom, she packed my lunch until I was 25. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really just show, she was like, oh, well, I know you're in grad school. I just want to help out. Like parents are never going to stop caring. And that's okay. That that means that you're a healthy parent who loves your kid. But also that doesn't mean you have to act on every single impulse to like want to figure it out for your child. Sure. Sure. Nope. That makes sense. Um, and lastly, is there any advice general or specific, um, that you have for people navigating their way through the world we live in today? Yeah. So understanding that one, you're not alone. It can feel very, um, daunting to experience things like anxiety and depression. And it can feel as though like, wow, nobody else is experiencing this around, around me. And the reality is people are, even though you might not be able to recognize it. So understanding you're not alone. And two, like people care about you. We want to hear about what's happening. We want to hear about ways that we can support. And so it's really important to, to lean into that. Um, three, asking for help. You know, you guys have resources here at Bazudo. You guys have great psychologists and therapists in the area. So like reaching out for help in order to, you know, navigate what it is that you're going through. Yeah. Asking for help is certainly not a sign of weakness. It's exactly. a sign of strength. Exactly. That vulnerability for sure. Well, I want to thank you Absolutely. for spending time with us today, helping us to sort of uh, start the conversation or continue the conversation. Um, I'd love to put up the resources that Bazudo offers again for those of you that perhaps are unfamiliar with them. Um, I'd also like to encourage everyone that's watching today to look into our employee resource groups. Again, that was through Telescope and find communities to connect with. You mentioned there's a lot of loneliness around mental health issues. And the reality is 
that we're all in this together. Exactly. So thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for joining us online. We hope this was helpful and we look forward to future opportunities to get together. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.